0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: You can feel the passion, the emotion. Hey, BVB fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia episode number 40. The new season is finally here, and I got my guy Brian Straub with me again to unpack the preseason, the transfers, what are we still going to do, what about Sebastian Allea, and of course, how is the game against Leverkusen going to go. Without much further ado, we will dive right into it, but of course, First, a quick shout-out to our sponsors at BetOnline, which is still the fastest and easiest way to wage all of your favorite sports contests and events with the first market odds and lines. And you can find reviews, news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, eSports, even golf, whatever you have. So head on over to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device to join today. Make your first sports bet with the promo code Believe 50.0 to Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we are back with my man Brian Straub from, well, BBB Bus, for example, uh, German football network. Hey, Tilo, how's it
0: going? Good to be here. Um, glad to be talking to Dortmund again.
1: So let's dive right in, man. Um, you know, we had. What felt like a very, very long summer break and actually didn't now now that it's here and we are back in action. The season kicked off. What do you make of, let's start right with a cup game. What do you make of that?
0: Um, I mean, considering the opposition we were up against, I mean, the result was something at least in my opinion that, that, that should have been expected. Granted, you know, this is a third division team, uh, 1860 Munich that, 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 that Dortmund, uh, played against. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, last season, we, we've had, you know, performances against teams in lower divisions, for example, the, the game against St. Pauli, um, that, you know, the, the, the team their performance. And then, so I guess looking into it, there was some worry, especially looking at, you know, the results from the friendlies, but I think the, the team really acquitted itself. Well, um, I think from start to finish, you know, they were in control. Um, the press was good for the most part defensively solid. They didn't really let, you know, 1860 in on any chances. I think they only had one shot on goal, uh, to my understanding. So I think they really managed the game well, and it was the first competitive game of the season. So, so overall a good result, a good three nil, um, you know, it'll do well for, um, you know, the confidence of Kareem Adeyemi who scored. He's, he's new at the team uh dude bellingham uh, obviously put one in as well and uh the the man in in, in my opinion that, that benefited most from this was of course daniel malin because you know having the season that he had last season with dortmund uh him starting off strong and, and getting off the mark in, in the first competitive match of the season is, is a really good sign for him so i think overall it was, it was a really good performance from the boys
1: I absolutely agree with you. Daniel Marlon looked like a different player out there. I mean, I know it's early in the season. It was one game, but you could tell he came out there with purpose. And when you say we managed the game that, you know, when we tried managing games in the past, it basically meant we stopped playing soccer <laughs> as in, you know, absolutely. it was just basically hardly any movement, just playing the ball all around the new U. that's not managing the game how we managed the game against 18 and that's how you manage the game we kept them so busy and the pressure on so high they didn't even think about crossing into our own half let alone threatening us like this game was toast because you worked hard and i really like that and you know to be fair yes third division to be expected blah blah at the same time three bundesliga teams already said farewell um you know her to be a say of course you know that's their annual gimmick i don't think they ever want to reach the final in the olympic stadium at least that's not how they play i don't know if you caught it but they were up two 0 and then still gave it away against Braunschweig, who are i think in 17th place right now in the second division losing their first two games um and then of course cologne losing on penalties and leverkusen losing against Elversberg 4-3 that's wild and i mean i personally think First of all, Cup has its own rules, as they say in Germany. Secondly, these second or third division teams, especially like some of the bigger names, like 1860 Munich, you know, who have sort of like a following and, and can build this like momentum around them, they're tricky. And usually the first one in a Cup is dangerous because these teams already are way ahead of you when it comes to preparation you know second division is already underway. third division i think also kicked off so they are in full competitive mode while you're just getting your stuff together so they can be really dangerous so again yeah i think we really really worked hard um you know kept on coming everybody was competitive i like that everybody kept on you know trying to keep the you know pedal to the metal yes in the second half we were maybe missing a little bit like the like the final five percent you know the conviction to to kind of like add a couple of goals in but we kept on threatening you know and and, and didn't give them any chance we like suffocated any type of like build-up play on their end and kept on keeping them busy and i think that was that was great to see and i'm gonna again also say at marlon i loved that attitude i mean that pistolero you know goal celebration he looked different no he looked different than from scoring last season or, or did you think I don't know. Have you seen that like, Marlon before? Um,
0: he definitely looked a lot more confident. Um, you know, he he looked like he was more comfortable being the danger man for Dortmund. He was taking players on. And I mean, he did try and do a lot of that last season, uh, but a lot of it didn't come off. But this time I feel there was a certain edge to his game, especially uh, in the first half, you know, in, in the first maybe 15 or 20 minutes, he was really, really going against yeah. 60 He was really, really going at them. And I really think he made that uh, left-sided position, that, I guess, pseudo left-wing position, uh, his own throughout the game. And I think he's going to have a really big season for Dortmund. But I think, uh, going back to to the overall game uh, as a whole, uh, the thing that, not shocked me the most, but impressed me the most, is that Dortmund didn't do what, we usually expect them to do, especially against teams that are technically quote-unquote inferior to them. And that's A, play to the level, and B, underestimate their opposition. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you noticed this, but at least for me, the the way that I saw them playing is that they took their opponents seriously. They didn't let up. They put them to the sword really, really quickly, and they were very efficient about it, and they didn't let up. And I think that's a really good sign.
1: I agree with what you say, but at the same time, I feel like they respected them by not playing up to the competition they didn't measure up to 1860 Munich they measured up to our own potential like you know like Marlon is the best example like like Marlon came out and you could tell edge is the perfect word he had an edge he came out and he was like all right maybe I didn't have a great season or whatever but y'all are third division players no one can stop me one-on-one on on this pitch not a single guy and he just came out he took the ball and he ran past them. like and every time he saw the goal coming up Freaking went for it. And, you know, that those the angle for the first goal, like that, you know, that was really tight. And I mean, obviously, he bounced against the post two times. So it has to be really tight. But for him to score it in that manner, that sent a signal. It wasn't just a goal of, you know, what the one nil that early is always big because it influences the game, but it also send a message to the whole team like these guys, they're not effing around today. Like they're here, you know, to stick it to us. And when a player does that, that you, you know, in 10, 15 minutes, only basically see the heels of him. That does something to you know to your psyche. You're like, shoot, I'm in for a long night here as an you know Munich player. So yeah, I really appreciated that. I, I really yeah. like that kind of like edge, that mentality. Like you can't beat me, and I want to see that from more players. I mean, if 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 there's one player that scored that maybe doesn't need more confidence, it's Jude. <laughs> he just needs to keep that level <laughs> right. and maybe stop diving a little less. Um, but um, but everybody else, you know, I, I really dug. So, yeah. So really great. And I mean, um, not necessarily, you know, to your point to be expected, considering that, A, we're not necessarily famous for taking these games always as serious and really playing up to our potential and B, the preseason games, they were kind of crap
0: yeah so uh I did watch a fair amount of amount of the preseason I did watch uh portions of the Villarreal game and of course the game against Sevilla um yeah it's it, it's obvious so who did you
1: like who did you like and who didn't you like of Dome.
0: uh overall from all the games mm-hmm uh Karim Adeyemi is the first one that comes to mind I mean the energy he brings and and, and just the overall once again using the word edge that he brings to Dortmund's game has, has been pretty damn good. Even though the results weren't that great, obviously, in, in the friendlies, you could see the work ethic that he has and his ability to both create and be a threat on goal because, I, at least from what I had seen, he was definitely um, uh, a player that that was at least trying to do something. Um, in addition to that, I really did like Rafael Guerrero from at least the the offensive side, which, I mean, is something I feel like You know, we always say he's great when going forward, but not exactly ideal when defending. But I really think he he was very creative. He was trying to do something for Dortmund. And even on the defensive end, you know, he he did try and put in a shift. So I do think that he was definitely one of the winners uh, of the preseason as well. Um, In addition to that, I think uh, Jamie Bino Gittens as well. His performances in the friendlies and uh, just overall what he's shown throughout the preseason has been quite good as well. He's shown that he's, you know, not only a pacey, tricky winger, but he's also strong and able to get into the box and, and impose himself on the uh, on, on on the opposition. So I think overall, uh, from from that aspect, it, it's all been pretty. It's, it's all been pretty good for Dortmund.
1: I want to throw in Prince Anning in there, who came, you know, in very late from was it Amsterdam too?
0: Yes, he's an he former yeah, Ajax yeah, yeah. player.
1: So um, I don't think a lot of people. You know, had him on their radar, knew much about him. We signed him pretty much a week before, I think, camp started. And then he came in there the first game and and, and really, again, put the pedal to the metal. Like, we need that vibe in the games and in the practice sessions. Like, these players need to push themselves if they want to win something, you know, together. But, but that's kind of like what I liked about it. And at that one scene, I don't know if you saw that, where... I think it was Kamara when he fouled Hummels and then Hummels was bitching about it a little bit. You know what I mean?
0: I'm not sure what you're afraid I don't know if you to. saw it,
1: but okay, let me paint you a picture. So there's, okay. you know, they're, they're in, in camp, there's a practice session. Uh, they're playing like one of these roundabout games where, you know, a couple of guys chasing the ball, uh, you know, inside. And then Hummels basically has bad first touch. And um, so he goes after the ball to try um, to pass it on. Kamara kind of beats him to it, but he puts his foot in it pretty hard and you know hits Holmes on the shin. And then Holmes is like, What the hell? Like you're going in like crazy here? What is this? You gotta be kidding me. Da, da, da. He he limps off the pitch a little bit, still like, you know, like complaining about it, like loud enough that the you know, the 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 mic the microphones picked right. it up where where um the commentators were, were sort of like, you know, following the practice session. It kind of made the rounds of Twitter a little bit because Using some profanity and it's Mat Hummels, but I kind of liked it because nobody else reacted to it. Like Terzic stood ten yards next to him, he didn't acknowledge Hummels. You know, he just kind of like kept on looking. Everybody else kept on playing, and Hummels himself, like he got a little eye spray and then he went back in it. You know, and I'm just thinking like, I like that. I like that there's a higher intensity. I feel like that's exactly our problem. Like a lot of our vets in the day, back in the days. Probably in practice, definitely in games, because that's what I saw. Try to always bring down the intensity, bring down the work rate, you know, manage, quote unquote, the games in the wrong way, in my opinion. And these young players and then also guys like Marlon or whatever, they have that chip on their shoulder, the edge, they want to prove themselves. They need to keep that competition up, you know, they stoke that fire. And, yeah, I mean, Hummels, you know, didn't look very good in... Was it against Sevilla or was it um, the Valencia game where he kind of, like, butchered that clearance?
0: I want to say that was the Villarreal game.
1: Don't quote oh, me. Villarreal. But I'm- yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, like, but you know what I mean, you know, like, he thinks he has the ball, he makes a kind of, like, lackluster effort and then it bounces off of him yeah, towards yeah, yeah. the player. He blocks and, Like, this looks like something um that happens during the regular season too, and um it just doesn't fit with this whole like oh I'm so fit this is the first time in forever you know is saying because he was out at the end of the season that he had such a long break and is sort of like in the shape of his life then show it you know like don't hold back like what are you waiting for we have two other you know center backs now you don't if you're gassed if you need a break you will get a break this year no worries um So, and he did it, you know, he did get a break (laughs) against uh, 1860 Munich. And now he's going to be back in the starting 11, apparently against Leverkusen because Zule is out again with a muscle injury. So there goes that. Um, And then maybe takes us right into that. What a a segue. Leverkusen, again, who lost against Elvisburg, lowly Elvisburg, you know, good on them. They played actually a really good game, um, but four goals conceded against, I think, a regional league, guess that's like fourth division, that's pretty bad. I mean, I'm going to lie. And honestly, Radecki, um and part of that defense is pretty suspect to me. On the other hand, Leverkusen clearly has some firepower up front. So what does it spell for us? Like with them being kicked out of the cup now and probably coming with an extra bit of anger to Dortmund, are we still just going to take care of business or are we in for a hot dance? as they say in German.
0: (laughs) I think, yeah, like, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Leverkusen does come into this game showing off, you know, a fairly good attack. I believe we spoke about Adam Klojek the last time I was on, and uh, he is a really, really potent attacker. He got his first competitive goal for Leverkusen uh, in this game against uh, uh, Elvisburg. I I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, Pretty good. (laughs) uh, Thank you. Um, And Schick, obviously, off the mark as well. So, I mean, they 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 will definitely be hungry to come in and, you know, get a result against us. But considering the fact that, you know, Dortmund has shown this ability to take their opponents more seriously, and there seems to be a bit more seriousness in the training as well, and players like Malin are, you know, stepping up and showing that they can do a job, I would at least hope that Dortmund could take care of business. Because like you've mentioned, you know, they played a fourth division side, regular Liga, um, and lost 4-3. So Leverkusen throughout, as long as I've watched the Bundesliga, have been relatively suspect, especially defensively. Um, so they will obviously be a threat going forward. But I do believe that Dortmund have enough to, to you know, um, get past them in, in the first game. And, and as they should, it would definitely be a good sign uh, going forward and, and, and a sign to the league, basically, because at least in, in my opinion, uh, going into the season, I was thinking that Leverkusen would be up there in the mix for top four so uh getting a win over them would be very important to any sort of prospects and and it would definitely be uh, a very big uh confidence boost for the team
1: i think we just have to win every game and while leverkusen has the you know power up front and yes logic looked pretty good i don't know it's still leverkusen like they just proved it again how leverkusen they are and apologies to you know the billions of elversburg fans out there I just double checked. They actually play in the third division now. They won the Regionalliga, their um section, and they got promoted to the third division. So, you know. My apologies as well. Elvisburg. For anyone that wants to know, Elvisburg now, third division, um, in the Regionalliga Südwest previously, and they play in a beautiful ground called Waldstadion an der Kaiserlinde, which translates roughly to um a forest stadium at the Royal basswood that sounds so tranquil right and that's that's where Leverkusen lost anyway um good Leverkusen buyer that sounds also tranquil to me with aspirin (laughs) okay that was a that was a cheap shot but let's talk about for a moment the not the elephant in the room but the person that we're missing probably for a much longer time and honestly at this point it's not even about missing or him coming back it's about hopefully on a you know human level this guy can come back and not even to be pro sports just to you know live his life and i obviously talk about Sebastian Hilaire um quite a shock and unfortunately not the great news that the tumor is indeed malign and that he has to do chemotherapy you know on behalf of from everyone here I can only wish him the best and as I said not even hoping for his return to the pitch of course we all do that but just hoping he can leave it all behind
0: yeah obviously from 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 the human aspect of things you know you, we i i obviously speak you know just like any other dortmund fan you know we, we do hope that that he comes back um and and can just live a healthy life you know the the sport obviously takes a back seat when it comes to situations like this particularly with something like cancer so you know one can hope that um, he'll he'll have a swift, swift recovery. Uh, Luckily, from what it seems like, uh, prognosis, I mean, despite the fact that it it is malignant, looks relatively good, according to what Sebastian has said. So um, his recovery does look maybe, you know, it's not ideal with the situation that he's in right now, but it does look, you know, it does look good in the sense that he will recover. So it may take some time, you know, the chemo is not going to be easy for him, but but we once again do hope that you know he does have a swift recovery with regards to
1: that yeah our thoughts are with him with you know with his kin with his family and you know sort your stuff out and then when you're ready clearly you know him being a professional soccer player i'm loving the sport i'm sure he also is dying at some point to get back on a pitch and that was probably the wrong way to put it but you know what i'm saying like um but I think he will you know feel no pressure and i hope we can give him all the support um you know that we can from from a medical standpoint from uh, a fan standpoint whatever he needs and um yeah and that he just recovers quickly and fully and then we can talk about you know soccer again with him and whatever he wants to accomplish and it's just always so odd right that um you think these these pro athletes, right? That they get. They live the healthiest of lives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No booze, no drink, no nothing. And are in the best shape of their lives. And then you get cancer. So it's wild. Um, But of course, unfortunately, as is life, Borussia Dortmund also still has to play. Are we set the way we are? Or do you think we need someone? And do you think we will get someone to fill the shoes for now?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, um, that's a tough question for both us and the club to look into. I mean, there, there's been, you know, a, a bunch of rumors going around that the club are looking at options uh, for for the striker position. I mean, Anthony Modest has been mentioned. Uh, Paco Alcacer's name was even put in there. Uh, Christoph Piontek has, from Hertha Berlin has also been mentioned. Uh, but the most recent rumor that, that I've seen, actually, it has to do with um, a certain Giovanni Simeone from Hellas Verona, which the club is allegedly going to talk to you know, his club about on uh, this coming Thursday. Granted, this is still a rumor, um, but it does seem like the club is looking at options and it, it, it's complicated, not even from, from the Haler standpoint. I mean, yes, you have to look at what sort of player you're going to bring in because you do have Haler that will be coming back eventually. How are you going to fit him in and another striker but the underlying thing with that also is Yusufu Mukoko, who of course is a player that Dortmund would like to retain. The player's contract does run out next uh, season, next summer, I believe. So bringing in another striker, especially considering he was supposed to be the number two behind they're going into the season, what sort of message does that send to him? Uh, is that something that he will potentially keep uh, keep in mind when Dortmund come back to the table to talk about uh, contract negotiations and extensions? So it's a very tricky period for Dortmund, and, and it really has to be the right type of player. Now, going back to the whole uh, Simeone rumor, I mean, with with the way that, that um, or with the profile of player that he is, granted, he's not one of the best strikers in the world, but he is a decent striker. I believe he scored 17 goals and provided six assists for Hellas Verona last season in Serie A while on loan from Calgary. So with regards to that, they actually ended up just paying a 10.5 million uh, buyout clause for him to sign for the club. So any sort of deal that Dortmund would go for him, for example, or or try to strike with him would have to be a purchase, at least in my opinion. I don't see how a loan would possibly work for a player that played an immense role for, for this club uh, last season in Serie A. So, I mean, it, it, it really, really depends on the, on the player that Dortmund bring in. They really need to bring in the right... If they're going to bring in a player, they're going to need to bring in a player that I guess is, is either more temporary or a player that won't destabilize the current hi- hierarchy and, you know, send the wrong message to players like Mukoko. And of course, Hilaire, once again, who will eventually come back.
1: Yeah. The p- tricky thing is right with Mukuku, He still needs time clearly. Right. I, I think he needs probably five, m- more likely 10, even 15 games until he is really gelling with the team and, and, and I think a constant threat. What he brings naturally is a high amount of energy. Uh, I think you could see that in the test. You could see that against uh, 1860 Munich. He has really a big, big urge to score and attack. You know, Give him the ball. He can move really well in tight spaces, Um, get rid of a guy and then just tries to get a shot off like that he does instantly so well what, what he's still lacking a little bit is timing the runs better. he's a little prone to get offside. he's sometimes running into spaces um where others already are or you know running into spaces that others could serve better um he's not the best link up player at this point but I think that's just a matter of um experience experience and getting to know your teammates a little better playing on that highest level. Um, which is still a difference from practice. You know, you just got to get those games in, get your feet a little wet. Um, Don't be threatened that whenever you, you know, give a ball away or run into offside, that you're going to be sitting on the bench again for five games, then you can settle. And the question is only if we do that, how will we fare as a club, right? We can't afford clearly to give Mookie 15 games and lose five and and tie five and, and find ourselves place 10 midway of the season. Right. Um, that's just not gonna happen. It's a lot of ifs there. And and the tricky part is also a new player costs money again and we don't have any. You know, we already spend more than we wanted to. Seems like we can't sell a lot of the players that we want to sell in terms of who we want to get rid of the books, like what's the most likely. So let's just line it up right now. A obviously Hazard, Schultz uh brandon Ruffer. there's been rumors um we clearly want to keep Mookie even though his contract situation you just alluded to is also um it's also running out did I forget anyone in terms of getting off the books Chan maybe I, I heard rumors about that but I don't think that's very likely so who's the most likely for us to be sold what do you think
0: well I mean Prior to, to getting on the pod, you know, the news was breaking about Manchester City's um, interest in Rafael Guerrero. Um, I'm not exactly sure that would be the best decision for Dortmund right now to, to sell him. I'm not exactly sure. Because because the thing is, right, you sell a defender and then you use that money to what get an attacker, especially considering there isn't really that many... Mature players in 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 the left back position for us right now. I mean, yes, we mentioned Prince Anning, but the kid is very young. So I mean, are we going to put him in there if we get rid of him? Uh, if we get rid of uh, Guerrero, uh with regards to to selling to a club like City, um, I think right now, you know, what 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 the club I guess would would like to do, and I guess what which they should be doing, is really looking for for that market for for a player like like a Kanji. I think uh, of the ones that you've mentioned, I think he is the most marketable. And I do think that as the summer goes on, more clubs will be interested in him, particularly because there's a lot of turnover in in various leagues for various teams uh, in the center back position. So I think that there will be interest for him. And I do think that, you know, there there is still a a, a decent chance that, that Dortmund will get something for him. So I think that would be, that would be their best bet because I think as of right now, he's the type of player that they can afford to actually set, let move on because they already have his replacement and they can still get a sizable sum for him. Granted, you know, his contract also goes out next year. So I don't know how much exactly clubs will be looking to offer for him, but I do think that, that around 20 million should at least be something that the club should be, should be looking for
1: yeah agreed um but it's definitely problematic at this point because you don't know right I yeah. mean it's one big if if we wouldn't have that situation I think people would be more relaxed because if the worst case scenario is well we keep a kanji <laughs> for another year nobody you know will burn down the house this isn't like he's still a pretty decent player I don't think he would um you know cause like any ruckus or whatever I mean it will be a little more difficult to manage but you know within means i think this could be feasible um now it's a little different right you just kind of it's not just like a roster sport and an additional salary it's also do we how active can we become like what's what's our budget there so that's problematic um and i don't really see where he's going you know because he seems really set on england and so far i only heard uh that mostly like italian clubs are interested in him so yeah that's going to be interesting to observe just because if he himself sets some you know sets such a small pool of clubs then this might fall through and um yeah that, that won't be ideal for us or the player um but i hope the club steps up and is like yeah we want this guy because he's a quality player you know like let's not get it twisted it's not like damaged goods or anything like that that guy is a experienced quality center back that can help a lot of teams but if he only wants to go to three of them and nobody wants him in return then that that doesn't help us and it obviously also decreases his value if you know as a club okay um even though i don't know inter put in an offer he doesn't want to go there not really helping us either so that's kind of a crappy situation and i don't know yeah rafa rafa is tricky i mean He's obviously a great player. He said he doesn't want to leave the club a bunch of times. I think in the interview back in February, he gave, he said he really likes Dortmund. Uh, His kids and his family like it. You know, I think they uh, just got into school there. And um, I I mean, he seems to be the type of player that cherishes or values a certain constant, you know, in his life, continuity. He doesn't necessarily seem like the guy that needs to be in the most popping city with the freshest clubs, you know, he just kind of like wants to, I don't know, have his family around play the game. Yeah. Also doesn't like the competition to be fair. I think he kind of said something like that. Like it was a little veiled, but he basically said like, look, a new team, I would have to sort of like prove myself again. And I remember that so vividly because I was like, well, you need to prove yourself here too, bro. (laughs) Like,
0: Right. Right
1: thinking like uh you're walking into the team which unfortunately it does but anyway um i don't know rafa rafa is tricky but a rafa with a few mistakes in the back every now and then is still better than whatever else we have um as a left back at this point and also can probably get right. at this point in the season like there are just not many options unfortunately on the um transfer market so but then who else let's say we get a you know we get a deal for Akanji we probably need to still sell other players um Hazard brand um I don't know why people are so eager to get rid of Hazar. I mean is he like playing lights out all the time no but I think he's still pretty consistent I think he's you know very polyvalent you know you can put him on the wing he even played up front and that's another thing like if you put a guy like Hazard as the number nine and in the box he's not going to be as effective as he's on the wing but like his best season for Dortmund I think he had what was it 22 23 goals and assists in the season uh, two years ago
0: which is decent numbers
1: yeah exactly like it's not like he's a scrub or anything and like what's Julian Brandt, who's who's more offensive minded, like his best season was last year. And um, I think he had 17, 17 score points, like nine goals, eight assists. So that's also not bad. But how is that, you know, good enough to be like, no, no, let's keep him. You know, he proved his worth. And the the other, th- you know, Hazard's output is like, uh, you know, that's kind of crap. Let's get rid of him. Like, I don't understand. And Hazard obviously is also stronger on defense, right? more versatile stronger on defense maybe similar production maybe with an edge actually for czar like with the numbers like he gave the club more so why won't i kick him out and keep running?
0: i i've never been the of the opinion or a strong proponent of necessarily getting rid of either or having them be the main um targets for sale in the first place um granted yes you know julian Brandt hasn't lived up to the potential that um that obviously we wanted him to live up to that we thought he would live up to coming from Leverkusen to Dortmund when he did. And same thing with, you know, Torgan Hazard when he was at Gladbach, you know, but I, I, for one was very excited when, when when Dortmund signed him. Um, I granted.
1: He is the best Hazard out there
0: as, as of right now. Yes, (laughs) that is true. Um, But I guess what I'm trying to say is granted, as you're saying, you know, that they haven't been, um, you know, the strongest performers for Dortmund, but they have had some sort of some sort of relatively consistent output. And I think that they do end up maybe if they're, they're, they're not the best starters at this point in time, they do end up being good squad players and you do need that. You do need depth, which is one thing that um, is, 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 is a point that I brought up last time we talked was I didn't think that Dortmund had the proper depth last season. And I think they end up being quality depth players at this point in time. Um, I think Malin and uh, Adiyemi will be the first choices on the wings, no doubt, with Bino Gittins getting involved there. Um, but there will be moments where they need a rest and throwing Hazard in, in in like the 60th or 70th minute isn't that bad, I don't think. I think there's worse players you could be throwing in there. Oh, absolutely. Same thing with with uh with Julian Brandt coming in for, for for someone in the midfield, even Royce, you know. Um, you know, our captain's not gonna be able to play like all, all the games that he has played previously. He is getting up there in age, and we do want to keep him fit. So I mean, you're gonna have to have players that, that go in there. Granted, we have Gio Reyna there. Um, but you know, you can also throw Brandt in there as well. And giving him a certain amount of starts throughout and, and then bringing him in uh you know off the bench also isn't a bad look, you know. So,
1: I mean, I hear you're on Hazard and I'm fully in agreement with you. That's a that's great sport player because, as I said, you can put him into, you know, many different positions, left, right, a little more defensive all the way up front. And you clearly won't get, you know, a stellar performance, but you know kind of what you're getting. Like, Brandt is a little different, like, because Brandt doesn't produce when you put him on, you know, in a 60th minute. He needed like five, six games in a row under Rosa. Um, you know to start producing and showing something so I don't know if Brandt is really a good squad player because he needs too much time he needs the ball too much to kind of like get into his groove so um, I have more question marks there but I hear in terms of like you know you just need quality in the squad and to your point right you can bring him on um, for a full game because of injuries or just load management um, cards, what have you. Like there's, there's probably room. It's going to be a long season. It's dormant. Uh, you know, the there'll wor- be injuries. The work hip break and all that stuff. Oh, and, oh, and by the way, with Reina, yeah. Geo played Sunday in the last friendly of the preseason, which was for everyone that saw little to no action against uh, 1816 in the season opener. And, you know, it's good to have him get it back on the pitch. Uh, I'm sure we will slowly let him you know back into the first team because his muscle injuries were quite a lot over the last couple of weeks and months so we need him fit we obviously want him to be um fit in time for the world cup even though you know i'm a little on the fence about the whole world cup in qatar thing but i know in the u.s in particular everybody's very um yeah much looking forward to what the u.s can do and you know with that missing out the last one clearly and now having all this talent and finally being there, I can understand why. I mean it's an exciting squad. But um diverting a little or digressing a little here, unless you need to talk about the World Cup.
0: No, no, I not nothing to say there. Don't worry about it. All right,
1: right, right right. Just getting back to, you know, we were talking about players and um yeah, who gets out of the squad. I, I guess Emra Chan, uh any like I think that's also a squad player that I would keep just because he brings bunch of unique things like uh, physicality um a level of skill that we usually don't have and and players that big um even though he's also prone for the occasional brain fart but like energy I don't know I think there's things in Chan's games that are unique that I like and I would like to keep
0: yeah absolutely I think uh Imran Chan is a player um that Dorman should uh keep hold of He, he definitely plays more than one role for for the team Granted, I mean, you know, having him in the back line is always a little haphazard, um, you know, it, it's always a little uh, anxiety inducing, but he is able to play that position. Obviously, he plays his usual center defensive uh, midfield position as well, and he does bring a level of fight to, to the team that, you know, before the, the acquisition of Salioschan, Dortmund didn't really have all that much of. So, I mean, I definitely think he's a useful player to, to bring in for certain games uh so i wouldn't consider him the very very first candidate for sale either
1: okay so but of the five players we just discussed um i guess we didn't discuss schultz but i mean that, that's an yeah, no-brainer yeah, yeah that's that's pretty clear so schultz rafa hazard Brandt, Chan. which two would you sell well
0: i mean as we just said if we could find a buyer yeah. for schultz i mean you know that that would be the- that's why I said two <laughs> yeah I know so so we'll go with Schultz first um that's that that is really tough I mean from the prospect of uh depth I would say that in Brent's position we do have enough players um granted you would have to be twisting my arm at this point uh with regards to that but I would have to say Brent. Only because of the fact that in the other positions, we do need those other players for depth. Um, And you're making me pick two. If it was just one, the the answer would be very clear. Um, But I also think there is a market for Brent. I do think that if he were to leave Dortmund, uh, there would be teams out there willing to, to go for him. But also on top of that, I feel like it would be a good opportunity for him to actually once again show what he's able to do. But this isn't me at all in any way advocating for this once again i i'm of the opinion that you know him staying is is good for the team as a squad player
1: that's kind of boring because i mean I'm sorry <laughs> i i think exactly the same like not only because we have a lot of offensive weapons that are sort of having the same or or a similar like profile and skill set and yes Brandt also has some unique um you know moves in this game but that can be said about many players up front. We don't have that much depth in the back. We don't have that much physicality. And to your point, offensive minded players are just like score better value in the market. You know, that's no secret. And Brandt, at least with his pedigree and also with the surf perception, um, probably generates or potentially generates more money than selling up, you know, a pass lock or- um...
0: Potentially more than pass luck Man, you're doing him a disservice, man. Come on.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, no. I mean let, let's say Munier, who I think has, you know, <laughs> a higher pedigree obviously <laughs> right, than Paslack. Right. But um, yeah, and I mean honestly, I also don't want to dump on Schultz, but it's just like I like at this point, I think it's clear that for all the parties involved, um, a first start somewhere else would be the best solution. The problem only is that you know, people think like, oh, he, he needs to go, he needs to, you know, he just play anywhere else, but that's not usually how it goes. Like, I've seen plenty of players do that you know kind of like just just leave to wherever not not really choosing wisely the next step and then and then, then, then that's it with the career done you know he's not in a great situation right now clearly um but at least you know he's getting paid and he's with a good team um where he can practice on a high level there's you know they're there, the surrounding the logistics uh infrastructure medical team blah, blah 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 you know it's all on a very high level you, you know people are saying basically suggested maybe that's too high level for you go play, you know and and something a little smaller but then you don't have that anymore either you know, it's, not, it's not just about the money it's also about the opportunities and the professionalism so you know I think it's not as clear-cut as some some people say and I mean I think we chatted about this earlier but I, I you know I mentioned Gross quotes in in a conversation and look at him you know people were like "Ah, uh, he did what these people many people suggest you know he should just go anywhere where he wants to play and you know where it's maybe not as hard and then he p- pretty much went from galatasaray and he came back okay that you can maybe um s- still say that that was just like a bis- big misunderstanding he didn't want to be so far from home yada 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 but then he went to stuttgart second division that didn't really work out Yes there was some altercations that also led to it but at the end of the day honestly if he would have been the big difference maker carrying the team I don't think he would have left I mean he left on his own accord too like but it wasn't like Stuttgart was like no freaking way we're not leaving you out of the contract you're staying here you know we need you at least that was not my impression and then he ended up at Erding you know like third division fourth division and and that didn't work out and he didn't really like help them achieve what they wanted to do. Granted, that was also like a widely mixed team, but it just shows like it's, it's a very competitive sport in all levels. And you need to find a good fit, even for shows. Like if he's going to a team that doesn't play, for example, like a three back where he works probably best as a, you know, as a left back or to a team that already has people in that position, then he's not going to play even in, in, in the lower tier team or in another league. And, you know, how's that going to help him? So, and then he's going to still sit around on the bench and people be like, Oh, he's just collecting a check. So anyway, just, I guess in a very long way, I just wanted to say I'm not dumping on him, but like people need to understand, like it needs to be a fit for him as well. Um, Absolutely. and I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think he's, he's like just riding the bench with a big fat grin, you know, he's not Albert
0: If I could just, you know, put, it, put it a little point there too. I mean, I, I get what you're saying in terms of finding the right fit, but to my understanding, there were teams in the Bundesliga that did offer him contracts. And yes, I understand what you're saying with, you know, him having a high level of, of, you know, training and fitness quality here, uh, at Dortmund. Uh, but at the same time. Yes. Like maybe you're training at a high level, but you're never getting on the pitch. Now you're saying, once again, you know, you need to find the right fit, but I think Schultz going to another Bundesliga level team isn't going to be that much of a downgrade. Like, yes, maybe he's already been like been on these high wages and experienced what Dortmund has to offer. But at the end of the day, if you know, you, you as a professional player, you want to play. So his yep. goal can't just be to sit there and and, and wait to write out the contract and, and and just to train, in my opinion. I think there are definitely teams in the Bundesliga that you know he would fit into, and and uh, that that he that that could benefit from his presence because maybe he isn't at the level that that Dortmund, Dortmund need, need him to be, but he was relatively good for for Hoffenheim, for example. Um, And, I mean, you know, Hoffenheim just did end up uh, selling David Rahm, which was a Dortmund target as well. I mean, possibly a return there. Is that so far-fetched?
1: I don't know, but let's talk about Rahm for a minute because there was a lot of rumors and a lot of chatter about him going to Dortmund or people wanting him to go to Dortmund. And I, for one, say I'm very glad we dodged that bullet.
0: Yeah, so the the whole David Round thing was was a little bit of a complicated thing for me because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not one of the people that was very much set on you know Rafael Guerrero leaving the club. Yes, he is uh, a defensive liability at times, um, but he has been a good player for the club for the most part, and I do think he he is quality. And I think um, when looking at that, David Round, that's it's a very similar uh, player profile to what we already have. Granted, he is a German international and he's a little bit younger. Um, but both are more offensively minded. And, you know, had we sold Guerrero and had Raum come in, I, I would have been okay with it because it would have almost been kind of, kind of like for like. Um, I think the main difference between the two players is, is that Raum is, is a bit more energetic. It runs a little bit more but when you look at it statistically and I did it, I did a piece on this actually for, for BVB buzz, they're really not that, that, that different uh, defensively granted. Yes. Rom is a little bit better in his numbers, but it's not astronomical to the point where you would expect it to be a, a full 180 for the club. And he, he's going to solidify that back line and, and whatever, because at the end of the day, you know, modern fullback is going to be more attack, attacking and offensive minded. So, had we gone in and, and got him, that would have been fine. It's just that he w- it was just one season, which is also, you know, something that, that we look at, uh, with, with Nico Schultz, you know, he had one, one, one and a half good seasons with, with Hoffenheim and we paid 30 million for him. Um, I think paying that sort of sum for, for a player of, of Rahm's profile would have been fairly risky. I think had there been a better price price tag for it, I think that would have been better. But at the end of the day, like you said, I'm not exactly ailing at the fact that that he's 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 not coming anymore. I, it was it was a little disappointing at first because I also thought that you know both Ram and Guerrero could technically exist in uh, or at Dortmund uh, simultaneously. Hmm. You know, the, there's always been talk about you know moving the Rafa up more, higher up into onto the pitch. Which I think could have been interesting is something that Terzic could have worked with possibly. So I mean, it's 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 not clear cut, and and I don't think necessarily that you know Realm was that massive upgrade that some people possibly made him out to be. And I, I think it was a lot more level there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you said there's not much difference. I I I can think of a difference real quick. There, um, Rafa Guerrero is a European champion. Is a UEFA Nations League champion is a two-time cup winner has like I want to say at least 50 caps for Portugal and you know probably as many Champions League and European cup games Raum has what three caps for Germany and I watched those and to your point I can remember um conceding goals where you know he did the same thing like to your point he he didn't pressure the cross didn't go out on a wing just kind of like he was just very keen to get up front He's a very untested guy, and and, and 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 I don't know how you put it, but, like, something about there's a bit of a risk. I think that was, like, the understatement of the century. Like, dude's in completely unknown quantity. Like, all the people are talking about it. Like, how many Hoffenheim games have you really watched? Like, for real, for real. You know, did you watch him against, like, Furt and um, Augsburg and all these games? I doubt it. I doubt it very much. Um, and even so, you know, that's it, it, still, like, there's no pressure. like. He wouldn't have been the first player who you know performs well in 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 a team like that that literally has zero press or anything around him that 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 perform you know that puts any pressure on them it's it's a very soft environment you know where where we don't really can't get in trouble one way or another and then you go you, you take the next big step up and then all of a sudden you can't handle it you know there's Maybe there's a little bit of a different lifestyle opportunity. Um, maybe there's, you know, more press and more public scrutiny, more pressure from fans. Like I feel like Raum is more of like a Maxi Phillip, um, yeah, Schultz type of deal than than really the help that that people thought he would be
0: on the flip side of that though i mean technically speaking uh, he is the profile of player that dortmund usually go for you know a player that's done well in the bundesliga granted only for one season you know um uh, a player that that has shown that he does have some level of quality i mean the, there was, there is was there's interest abroad as well and that doesn't come from you know him being completely untested per se but but at the same time you can once again you could also have that argument about nico schladerbeck right had one one relatively good season um... Or Frey- I mean American. that's like
1: a second season already.
0: But the hype kind of started more so this season, you have to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, of um, course.
0: And I and I'm not I'm not really saying there is uh, a necessary uh comparison between David Raum and, and Nico Schlotterbeck. I think, you know, even in the games that Schlotterbeck has already played for us, he's proven to be a, a pretty solid defender. And, he's uh, our
1: center back number 1 right now. Absolutely. In a group with Niklas Zule and Mats Hummels.
0: Absolutely, which is impressive. So but but that what I'm trying to say is it's kind of the same profile, you know, a player that was playing for, I guess, uh, a, a, I don't want to use the word inferior, but a, but a team that's lower in the a team smaller team, Dortmund. right, a smaller team, uh, German international. And I think that's all, like if you look at the the, the interest in Dortmund, I think that was also a, a part that played into it. I do believe that the club has said that they do want to, you know, have more of a German international presence in the, in the squad. So I think that was also one of the main things that, that attracted Dortmund to, to David Raum, you know, a player with potential that has shown that he has some level of quality and he's played for the German national team. And, you know, that would have been with Schladerbeck with Sule and him, that could have potentially been three parts of a, of a back four for, for Germany for, for years to come now. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how he does at, at Leipzig. You know, at this point, he's, he's going there and there's no two ways about it at this point. Um, but I also don't think that you know Dortmund and I guess Dortmund fans should be kicking themselves too much about the fact that he's he's not wearing.
1: Uh, I'm like, yeah, I, I disagree there a little bit. I, I I mean, I'm curious also to see how he how he does at Leipzig. Um, as curious as I can be about Leipzig, which is not a lot. Um, I feel like they already have a player like that in Halstenberg. Um, in terms of like skill and potential. So, yeah, I, I was c- kind of joking about it too. Um, yeah, maybe we get Halstenberg back now. You know. He used to be at Dortmund, um, and you know, if you if you drop that kind of money on a new um, left back, and you know, also the kind of wage which is ridiculous, yeah, I'm very curious how this works out. I mean, I, I wish nothing bad to anyone, um, but if this doesn't uh, work out and his his uh, steep ascension d- does not continue, and and Leipzig is kind of stuck in a situation that we are now with, with some of these contracts, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Let's put it like that but the thing is where i disagree with you is uh to compare him with nico Schlotterbeck. Schlotterbeck is younger than him i think um if i'm not mistaken let me let me let me just double check that yeah Schlotterbeck is 22. raum is 24. still um schlotterbeck debuted in the bundesliga and i think in the 2018 season so um and let me just look what did david raum do in 2018 2019 he played in the second Bundesliga and in the Regionalliga Bayern for third. You know what I'm saying? Like, and not even as a, as a full on starter because otherwise he wouldn't have been in the. Fourth. So just, just
0: for clarity purposes, I, I, I do like I'm not trying to compare them as players necessarily. I'm just comparing their situation.
1: I, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like Raum, like like Schlotterbeck, has has a stronger body of work that is more reliable. Agreed. That that warrants dropping that money on him. Agreed. Agreed. Clearly, we, we have to need in the fit. Raum is a bit, there's a bit too much hype for me.
0: And it was also a position that Dortmund desperately needed. You know, once yes. again, like I said, you know, there there is that similar player in Rafael Guerrero, at least in terms of going forward and attacking threat that Dortmund already have. So there's no real point necessarily, in my opinion, of, of making a one-to-one, you know, switch. But with Slaudebac, he's a clear up, upgrade on what we had, you know, so.
1: Are you surprised that he's the number one center back right now?
0: I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah, it is surprising considering his age. Um, granted, you know, we'd seen his quality last season and and seeing, you know, even what he did in the final against Leipzig. Uh, in the I, that was a Immense great, performance. great performance. performance. So you could see, you know, shades of the player that he kind of already is, but also can become. And he's also, he was very much the type of player, youthful, energetic that Dortmund needed in that defense. Of course, you had Niklas Sule coming in with, with, with all the experience and, and, and skill that he has. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is surprising to see him take, take that more leadership role, but at the same time, young players do come to Dortmund and, and, and take on that, that, that important role very quickly. I mean, you know, they, they do have a nose for bringing in and bringing in really good young players. I mean, we see that just with Jude all the time, right? He's 18, 19. Uh, and he's already third captain right behind uh, Royce and Hummels, to my understanding, correct?
1: yes so I mean I'm not and I think Chan is also in there in or in the Mannschaftsrat in in the council right right so sorry I'm not fully surprised
0: I guess that Dortmund were able to find the type of player that that uh Schlatterbeck embodies but but it is very impressive considering his company that he's really turning into or or looking like he's going to turn into Dortmund's best center back for for years to come
1: I agree and honestly that's kind of like my dream scenario that we have Schlotterbeck as sort of the the tent pole for defense and then Zule and and Hummels kind of battling it out because I feel like both of them are a little prone to you know letting things slide a little (laughs) (laughs) so um you know the rumors about Zule not always being as fit as he could be as professional and then Hummels also sometimes wanting to take things a little slow on the pitch I think is great if they can push each other because they they also have a more similar profile like 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 Schlotterbeck is just a little more junior than them and um you know he's gonna be on a different level um to wrap things up three things first of all Leverkusen how are we gonna do um what do you think I think we will take this game at home I think we're in good enough form and we have a much improved defense so we should be able to withhold um their onslaught And at the same time their defense is crap so we should be able to score at home in front of a packed stadium what do you think
0: I'm thinking the guys will be raring to go um I'm gonna say 3-1 uh Malin scores I think Adiemi also gets off the off the mark and I'm going to leave the third for uh Royce I think, I
1: think in front of the home crowd, he, he comes to life as well. And I think we have a, a solid three, one. That sounds like a penalty. <laughs> possibly, <laughs> possibly. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love for us to start with a clean sheet. So I'm just going to say two nil and I will go with, let's say Marlon two, I would like for him to start a little run and then hmm, tricky. I'm just going with Schlotterbeck. Let's 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 go with a set piece. All right. All right. That's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, something something from the from the back. Maybe not Schlotterbeck, but like, like like a set the back on a set piece. I feel like we're we'll come with a couple of new set pieces under Terzic, and we'll try those at home and hopefully we can put one away. And um by the way, also big news, you know. I just talked about a full stadium. I don't know if you heard. Well, you probably did, but for everyone who didn't, UEFA allowed standing areas back in um the Champions League and the European competitions so that means we will actually now for the first time ever play Champions League in front of 81,000 at home i think that's fantastic that's almost you know that's 20,000 people difference
0: absolutely and i think it'll add a different dimension to uh you know the atmosphere that opposition um uh, you know faces when 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 they come to visit us um, I think it's going to be a lot more intense for them. I mean a- any player you hear that's 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 come to, to play against Dortmund that at, at the Vesfalen you know um, they, they all say that the atmosphere is amazing. this is going to amplify you know so it's only yeah, going to make yeah. it harder for, for the opposition, which I'm very that''s, that's it's welcome news for me.
1: Uh, funny enough sometimes I think it's not making it harder like it's sometimes people are just you know wanting to see it you know like they're looking forward to it a little too much at times like Zula you know you said it in his like uh, onboarding interviews with Dortmund they're like oh you know it was great to come here and I was looking forward to the atmosphere it's just it's just big game atmosphere and if you're if you want to be a big time player you're happy to have it whether you're opponent or you know home team obviously it's better to be the home team but anyway still it's great news um, for what it's worth, you know, having the 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 full uh, yellow wall, the Desu Tribune uh, present for a home game, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, to be fair, though, if there was a bit of a silver lining about putting chairs into the South Stand, and f- for those of you who don't know, usually what happens is, um, since we can't have a standing terrace uh, for the Champions League game, the club puts in chairs. So that reduces the capacity from the almost 25,000 down to, I don't know, 12,000, 13, 14, whatever it is. Uh, it's quite a reduction. It's like around 64,000 for a Champions League. So that also means that a lot of the season ticket holders can't be placed within the south stand So the stadium gets mixed up a little bit. So there's different pockets of atmosphere all of a sudden, whereas naturally normally might be a more quieter area with some more, I don't know, older folks. or see, People that are just, you know, a little bit more um, in the viewing seating department of, of fandom all of a sudden there might be 10 people popping up from the South stand that usually would be in the middle of it, you know, under the roof of the north End and they obviously in the jpany go for it. So in my experience, that sometimes carries the atmosphere a little better around the stadium. so that was always kind of cool. but at the end of the day, if I have to choose between this and the stadium with you know almost twenty thousand more fans and the full South stand, of course I go for the you know ladder. But I just kind of wanted to mention that.
0: <laughs> oh, it's a cool little fact.
1: All right. Let's wrap with two things. Uh top of the dome. Breakout player of the season for us. Who's it gonna be?
0: Oof. Um You had
1: a little time to think about it. You saw the first couple of games, you saw the preseason. Who'd you like?
0: I think Bino Gittins is gonna have a good season. I think he may not obviously play as many games um as, for example, maybe Sancho did in his second season but i do think that he will have a uh, positive impact and he will make strides towards becoming that first team player.
1: Shoot. Okay, that was clearly my pick as well, but i'm not going to do the same then. <laughs> All right, let's for me it's then a toss up between Reyna and Marlon. I feel like one of these two dudes um has the potential, the skill and just you know, it's just due to pop, like to take the next step and 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 become the player and live up to his potential that, that we want to be so um, shoot since we're you know catering to an American audience let's say Gio right Arena. <laughs> you know that's here's here's the wishful thinking
0: here's social thinking
1: yeah I, I think Gio can can do a lot better um he's gonna you know have a hard time breaking into a team but if he stays fit and you know he has the right mindset um and obviously also the skill set I think he can be also a really big contributor Who's going to be on MVP?
0: underperformer
1: MVP. Oh, I thought you
0: said, I thought you said under P, um, uh, MVP. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say performance wise and just overall, uh, in terms of, uh, being crucial to our play. I think it will be, I think it might be Oschan once he's, uh, fit and ready to go because once again i think he's i think he's definitely the type of player that that dormant have been missing i know we've mentioned that before um and i think our defense will be a lot more solid with him screening them uh and screening attacks i should say um so i think he will definitely play uh play a big role, especially if he lives up to you know the the potential and and, and the ability that he showed with uh with Columbus.
1: I like that pick, Sali Učan. I was actually just thinking about, you know, for breakout performer of the season, considering, you know, it's quite a step from Cologne to Dortmund. Up, um, you're putting him at MVP. Interesting. So you you seeing him getting a lot of game time then?
0: I I do I do think he will get a lot of game time, particularly because, like I said, I think he is the type of player that Dortmund have been missing, and I think that he will be very critical in terms of helping shore up that defense. He'll he'll definitely be uh very important in terms of you know ass- uh, assisting that defense in keeping those clean sheets and uh keeping those attacks stifled because once again I don't think we've had that type of player uh in the last season or basically since since Delaney left that, that really could perform yeah. that role. So and obviously Vitzel last season really couldn't couldn't didn't have the legs to do that. So I mean agreed. So I think I think he will definitely be one of Dortmund's more important players. And, and I guess we're calling him the MVP. So yes, I think he will be the MVP. Not from a standpoint of scoring a lot of goals or anything like that, but he will definitely no, no, no. linking the play up, uh linking linking both sides of the pitch and, and making sure we're safe at the back.
1: I mean, we've scored, you know, in abundance over the last couple of years, and that didn't necessarily always get us the yeah, you know, way we wanted absolutely. to go. So goals is not always the measuring stick. I hear you. I mean, it's still I think it's a gutsy call. I personally stay in midfield as well, but I'll 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 take some one, um, little bit more established LS younger, um, (laughs) Mr. Jude Bellingham, I think, um, will just keep on piling onto what was already a very impressive season. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't see what, what can stop this guy apart from injuries and considering he doesn't seem very injury prone. He's yeah in prime position to, to, to be even better. And when he's on his game he changes the game for us like last season only or the season before only your could he can really impact it and followed by that i would say probably Schlotterbeck just because i think he will see most um most action on defense right. and that's such an important part of our game as well to have a stable defense and and start the attack and um you know in a meaning like a me- meaningful way get the balls out quickly moving into the right space um so yeah We could all witness how it's not done last season. So I think that will be a crucial difference um, to having that increased level of quality and consistency in that position. No, for sure. So, all right. Um, Well, let's see how it pans out. Let's hope for a win against Leverkusen. And um, yeah, any final words of wisdom for the season? Uh,
0: Don't concede goals. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> the one thing that's, that, that's that's been the bane of Dortmund's existence is is being very leaky at the back. And I think they've brought in the players needed to, to help Berger, Koble, you know, keep those clean sheets. And I think they, they need to stay focused. I think, what once again, like we mentioned, what they showed against 1860, you know, not taking the opposition for granted and thinking that, you know, oh, we're just better quality, so we'll coast through it. I think... Keeping that mindset and, and and really drilling home that mentality will be really important to whatever it is that Dortmund end up achieving this season. So, that's 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 really it on my end.
1: Ah, uh, fair enough. Well, on my end, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. We have question marks up front. We brought him some new players, but we will need time to integrate everyone, and then we have to see who scores the goal. Our main competitor in Bayern clearly. Also brought in new players and money is a marquee signing, no doubt about it. But is he going to score 40 goals for them this season? And I doubt it. Where are they coming from? Is the league really the answer? Um, Upamecano, the league, Hernandez, is that better, you know, defensive pairing than what they had before with Zule and Alaba, for example? Is that better than Schlotterbeck, Hummels and Zula? Hmm, maybe not. So a lot's up for grabs. I think Bayern is slight favorites still um, just because they've been looking decent so far. But we will see. Let's look at the first five games and then see where we're at, see um, how we do. And then maybe we can look a little further ahead, what it will spell out for the season. Brian, thank you so much for joining again. Um, You know, always a pleasure to chat Dortmund with you. And yeah, I hope your prediction comes through and we will take the home opener.
0: Yeah, thanks for for, for having me again. Always always happy to to hop on and talk Dortmund with you um yeah i mean here's to a good game here's to a strong performance and here's to here's to three points to start the season
1: thank you for tuning in to believe in borussia again if you like this episode and our content check out the other episodes don't forget to hit us up give us a rating on apple Podcasts, spotify like us wherever you get your podcasts and Until the next time, a black and yellow shout out across America.